You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Making Money Online is sponsored by Nicola J. Rowley PR, helping entrepreneurs and brands get visible through strategic storytelling. If you're serious about being seen and impacting the lives of others, harnessing the power of PR is the best way to grow and scale your business. Visit njrpr.com for more details and read Nicola's best-selling book, The Power of PR. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Today I've brought a guest on who is a specialist in something that I really think we need to talk about this year, especially because I think a lot of people are suffering from it. And that's procrastination, overwhelm, burnout, and how trauma is linked to that. So I'm here with Lissa Smith, who helps people who are struggling with procrastination, overwhelm, and burnout to find strategies to help them in the moment, but also to find ways to get rid of it for good, which is obviously what we all want. Now, this year, I got diagnosed as suffering from stress, which for me, I never feel stressed. I'm one of those people that really high functioning can carry on. You know, I've been, I've talked on here before about how I have suffered from anxiety before and depression. I'm high functioning. So I often don't notice I am. And that's exactly what happened with stress. I wasn't stressed because anything particularly bad was happening. I was stressed because I was doing a lot. And although I'm, I love doing a lot and I work really well doing a lot. What I didn't realize is that my body didn't. (laughs) My body was like saying, no, you're doing way too much here. We'd really like you to just stop for a little bit. And I was like, no, let's just carry on. And actually they said that it is a a form of stress. And even if you're not feeling stressed and you're feeling happy, you can still feel it. So Melissa, how common is it that people are coming to you saying they're suffering from burnout and they might not even know they have burnout? So common. So here's what people primarily come to me for. So recently I had a client come to me and she's a business owner. She has an online business and she kept, she's just feeling stuck because she can't quite force herself to do the things that she knows she needs to do. And she's exhausted from trying. And for her, she was trying to do more, trying to be better, trying, you know, and we all have this kind of, especially if you have a business this idea that we should always be doing more yeah. <laughs> entrepreneurs. It's kind of, you know, universal for all of us. And that feeling, if it zaps you and you're feeling exhausted, I mean, that is what we're going for. There's something else under there. It's not that you're bad and it's not your fault. Yeah. And I think there is that um, need to do more, but even when, you know, I teach people to do less, like the whole point of what I do is to do less. But I think that people think, that they can't get burnout and they can't get stress if they're doing less. But actually, a lot of the time I brace it on even when we're not. So when I'm like saying, well, I'm going to the spa or I'm going on holiday, I'm chilling out. My brain is still like there, 100 miles an hour, thinking of things to do. And it actually stresses me out sometimes not being able to go and do those things because they're in my head and I want to go and do them. That can cause burnout too. And people really don't realize how prevalent burnout is because with burnout, you often don't know you've got it until it's a little too late. What are the symptoms that you see when people suffer are suffering from burnout? 
So typically procrastination gets really bad when someone is burned out. They're completely exhausted. They have very, very little bandwidth for anything that they're doing. The, you know, some of the women that I've worked with, they will come from a perspective of like, I just, I keep having these meltdowns or I'm lashing out at my kids or my partner, things like that. We have a very short fuse when we are burned out and we may not have any idea. Cause you know, we all kind of have this idea of burnout. It's like, I'm on the couch and I can't function, can't do yeah. anything. But that's not really what it is. Burnout is when our capacity for dealing with, quote, normal day-to-day things to keep our lives running, our businesses, our families, that capacity goes down so low that we are kind of subpar. We're not showing up as the best version of ourselves in any of the areas anymore. And is that because we're dealing with all this other stuff underneath? And our brain capacity is dealing so much with everything else that we're thinking about and that we're needing to do that just the normal day to day life stuff is getting, you know, shoved to the side, really. That's exactly it. When you have sort of programs running under the surface, whether it's trauma and there are a couple types of trauma, whether it's negative childhood memories that programmed how you see the world as safe, unsafe, things like that, whether it's just, I have this personal thing going on and it's taking up a lot of bandwidth for me. When you see the bandwidth for day-to-day stuff go down and you're not able to manage things at your best on a regular basis, that's your first sign. Go get help for your burnout right then until like before it gets worse. Talk to me about these two types of trauma that people have. So one of the things that's so interesting about trauma is that most of us don't feel traumatized on a daily basis by things. If a person, so there are two types and I like to talk about it like this, big T trauma and little T trauma. Big T trauma is big, bad things that should never happen to anyone. We're talking bullying. We're talking abuse. We're talking um, lack of needs going, being met as a child, you know, food insecurity, shelter insecurity, things like that. Big, bad things. God forbid ever having someone attack you. Those are big, bad things. Being in a war. That's the thing that those are the things that people typically associate with trauma. And if they haven't had those things, if they have, they're usually aware of it and they either avoid the topic in order not to be triggered or they go get help. Right. Little T trauma is a little bit sneakier. It's when we go a long period of time with smaller needs not being met or with something covert going on that we're not able to identify. So it still could be emotional abuse over a period of time from an intimate partner or someone. It could also be that during childhood, no one around us knew how to express big feelings. So when we had big fears or big anger or big sadness, no one walked us through how to express that. So there are parts of the brain that sort of are trauma by the lack of guidance over time. There are other things that fall into that category, but the littler things tend to go unnoticed. The other reason that our brain doesn't register as adults that we have been traumatized is because it's the brain is beautiful. It's amazing how it functions and it allows us to survive those things by a few different strategies. One of which is that when we are traumatized, the brain has a little bit of amnesia around the feelings of how bad it was. So we may grow up and and be and when we say it out loud to someone, we're like, gosh, I guess that was bad, but I don't feel bad about it. Is that to and help us? Is that yeah, just to help it's it's an innate thing to help us not have to remember bad things. 
Absolutely. Because think about this. If you have a child who knows that their needs cannot be met in a certain area, it could be a small T or it could be a big T and they exist with the idea that need will never be met. And it feels this bad all the time. They actually can fail to thrive. I mean, there's no way to actually make it through that. So the brain has all these little secondary, you know, functions that kind of cover up how bad it is. So we normalize very quickly very, very quickly. So it's, nope, that's just fine. Probably everyone deals with this. Those are all the kinds of thoughts that our brain puts together so that we can function. And a lot of times it ends up that we're adults who are always trying to do more, be more perfect, please people better, can't set boundaries because as children, we believed we should be different. And if we could be different, we could get those needs met. I so resonate with that. Like I remember seeing a therapist about, must have been about 10 years ago now, And he asked me, you know, I was feeling really anxious all the time. And he asked me about things that had happened during my childhood. And I explained the things that had happened, you know, quite a lot had happened. I'd I'd grown up in a a religion that was, you know, quite cult-like. I had, you know, gone through quite a lot of trauma with bullying. I had a really chaotic home life. And all of these things had happened. And I explained them really normally because to me, they were really normal. I was like, oh no, this happened. And then this happened, this happened. And he sat there and afterwards he said, do you realize how chaotic that is and how much trauma you have because of it? And I was like, no, I'm all right with it. And he was like, no, you, you aren't. You just don't realize you are because you've normalized it. It's become so normal for you that actually you welcome the same feelings. So I was doing things, for instance, online to make sure I was getting bullied because I'd become so normal to that feeling like it was almost a comfort blanket when I was being bullied because that's what my whole body was used to feeling and my mind was used to feeling and so I tried to put myself in the same position without knowing this is all obviously subconsciously the same position I had as a child and I think it's so true when I talk to people now who have gone through things they'll explain it to me in a really as if it was happened to somebody else way I'll be like do you realize that this could be stopping you from going further in your business now because the capacity that you have is going to be a lot less because you're thinking about these things. And they're like, oh no, I don't think it is. You know, I, I, I've kind of put it under a carpet. It's gone, but it never is gone. Is it? You have to deal with this stuff. You really do. And sometimes it really takes someone else to help you uncover. This really wasn't normal. I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting in a session with a client and I'll, and I'll be patiently, quietly listening, kind of like your, your person did for you. And, and then at the end, I just say, do you realize that that is actually not okay that your parent did or didn't do X, Y, Z, or that your teacher or your friend or whatever it was? And they'll say, well, but everyone deals with this. Because we think our brain has done a great job making us think this is just normal. It's not affecting me. But then, you know, I'm realizing they're in the session with me because they don't have the capacity to take their business to the next level. They are terrified of being visible. They're terrified of, you know, failure. They're terrified of success. They reach all these places and and they they don't know. When I ask them about their childhood, sometimes they think it's, you know, it's maybe not related. And I'm like, okay, well, do you think it might be true that you learned to fear this because of a situation that happened? And I love the untangling process because there are immediate benefits to looking at the past. 
It's so interesting. We saw this a little bit with the Me Too movement when everybody started writing online the things that had happened to them. Like some people, oh, this happened to me. And I and I remembered one. Like I went to a party once and this guy dragged me upstairs and kissed me and he was much older than me. And I'd told myself that happens to everyone. It happens to everyone. Like everyone deals with something like that. It's not, that's not actually abuse. That's not actually, you know, part of this me too thing because everyone kind of goes through someone doing doing some kind of sexual harassment when I was 15. And then when I spoke to other people, so many people had had these experiences and they said, I'd kind of forgotten about it and just decided that it didn't even matter. And it's amazing how, how much this happens to people and how much more productive they would be in their business and how much more successful if they dealt with stuff. But we don't like to deal with stuff, do we? Because it's easier not to. <laughs> yeah, it's painful. It's painful to go back through. But actually, what we're finding in this industry of helping people heal from these the past things, we're finding that there are ways to go through it that are much less painful than we're assuming. You know, the brain protects us by saying, I'm not going back there. That's going to be too painful. That almost broke me the first time. I'm not going back into it. And could you imagine too, like the brain is so amazing because after that experience, you didn't live in that terror every day. You didn't live in that trauma every day. We have to move past it. But what happens is if we don't ever go back to it when we are, and, and you were a child, when we don't go back to it, when we actually can guarantee our own safety, because in that instance, you know, when we're younger and we have experiences that are traumatic, we, we have to depend on the adults around us. And if they fail, then there's nobody. We yeah. can't come to our aid in those situations. So, but as an adult, this is where the reparenting process comes in really as a strong part of what I do with my clients, because we get the opportunity to then stand in the gap as that adult for ourselves and the success that you can have in your business. Once you do that, once you show up for yourself as the adult in those instances, it's incredible. What are some small strategies that people can use in the moment? If somebody is right now sitting there going, I know I'm procrastinating. I know I'm overwhelmed by everything I have to do. What's the first step? So the first thing is to take a break. It's counterintuitive with procrastination because we think, oh, if I, I just need to force myself. And we've all done that, right? You yeah, have to force we have. Deadline. Everyone knows. Every entrepreneur knows. <laughs> But what we want to do is you, I mean, first of all, just noticing it is the, is a huge first step. Being aware of when you're procrastinating is a massive superpower because most of us are so ashamed that we procrastinate that we sort of hide it away from ourselves and we may not know it's happening. So be aware of it. But then the first thing is to take a break and get some perceived safety from your from whatever it is that is, even if you don't know what's making you feel unsafe about doing that project, your survival brain, the, the amygdala is amazing at perceiving threats. The right brain is in charge. It's all its job is to do is to keep you alive. And it thinks when there is stress, no matter what's causing it, whether it's a project that's due, whether it's somebody's bad review online, it doesn't matter. It thinks there's actually an animal chasing you that's going to yeah. tear you pieces. It sees no it difference, does it, between a real threat and a, and a not real threat? Yeah. All life or death. So the amygdala's job is just to prepare you to fight to do the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. So that's where procrastination comes in. We're kind of avoiding something that the brain is telling us is unsafe. So you take a break, get access back to the rational part of your brain, because in that moment of survival brain, your left brain, actually, you don't have access to it. You don't know. That's why we can't. That's why we feel foggy. That's why we end up 
binging more than we meant to when we take a break and watch TV or something like that. The, when you're in survival mode, that left brain, not available. Higher level thinking, nope. Like who needs to do calculus or do profit and loss statements on the way to the nearest tree, getting away from a you know saber tooth cat? Nobody, no one needs that. <laughs> so the left brain goes offline, you don't need it. And there are so many systems in the body that are wrapped up, by the way, if anyone listening is dealing with long-term immune compromise, that is one of the primary systems that shuts off when we're in this survival mode. So we don't have access to our immune system, the repair systems, our cells can't repair. There are so many things that happen just in the instant of a perceived threat. Wow, that's amazing. And there are lots of people, me included, that have immunocompromised issues right now. Um, so it's interesting that, that that turns itself off. So you take a break, you get away from the situation so that you can get, I presume, more clear headed and start start turning that left brain back on so that that can happen. What are the more long term strategies that people are going to need to do and need to work with you to do to make this stop happening? Because I've seen people that have burned out that then go back to, you know, they, they do take a break and they do some some unstressing and they might work on themselves for a bit and then they go back to work and they get busy again and then they burn out again. Yeah. If you don't change what's underneath, you'll always only have that capacity. So this is what you do. So, so when I work with somebody, the steps that we take are we look at what are the obstacles to doing the things that you want to do? Okay. So it's my physical health or it's I, my procrastination is stopping me, or I have these fears, whatever it is, we want to look at what does the survival brain feel threatened by? Then we want to know why that's the long-term change. And it does take six to nine months to actually form a new neuro pathway, particularly when dealing with daily thoughts that you're having about yourself, what you're capable of. So it's a longer term process to actually prevent it. But think about it. If you spent a whole lifetime thinking a certain way, and it's been defeating you this, this amount of time, and it only takes less than a year to actually completely transform the way you think about things and the way you see yourself, your business, your possibilities, it's so worth it. So what I do is I, I work with my clients to figure out, okay, what are the obstacles? What fears is the survival brain having? And then when we know that we, we go underneath and ask why. So we look at family of origin in particular, because whatever you learned from the authority figures in your, in your house, in your school, those will be the belief systems that you have. If you ever went I mean, another huge part of my job is helping people see you actually did have some trauma. You actually did have some little T or big T trauma. And so let's give that sort of the honor and the space that it deserves and, and go ahead and heal that. And then we'll look at the belief systems that we can reform and reframe from there. And a lot of this is always the same. It's about going back and building it back up again, because I think that we're made up of all these different things. And sometimes we need to stop and unpick everything and see what's actually there to be dealt with and then put yourself back together in a, in a better way. And I've seen people do that. I've seen people do that in my mastermind and it completely can change how people are going forward. And they think it's one thing. So they might say, you know, I think there's just not enough people that will pay me this or I'm not very good at growing an audience and all of these things that we hear every day. And it isn't anything to do with that. It's all internal because of the belief system they really have, even though they might not even know they have them about themselves and what they're capable of. 
That's exactly it. I have one client who was telling me this week, she said, I just keep getting behind. I start every day with too many things to do for the amount of time that I have. And then by the end of the day, I don't complete them all. I leave, you know, my office late and I'm feeling like this is all my fault. And so we went back and I said, who told you that? Or where did you get that message? And she's like, oh my gosh. And then we were able to identify that the first time she felt that way was in a certain situation. And she got that message implied. No one ever said it to her. This is the other reason that it's helpful to have someone listen and kind of ask the questions is because she never actually had someone say to her, you aren't good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not doing, this is all your fault. You're, you're bad at this, but she had people imply it with their actions, with what happened to her with situations. So being able just to look at that and say, okay, at the end of the day, if you leave and not all your work is done, but you've been working the whole time, is there a way we can develop a tolerance for that? And is there a way we can develop a strategy? And then can we rewire how you think about yourself as a result of that? Because if you have negative self-talk, there is nothing that will wear you down faster. Yeah. And you see procrastination coming from that all the time because people procrastinate because they, they think if they do the thing that they need to do, it will either go wrong or it won't work anyway. And we hear them, you know, they're not saying it to themselves in, in that kind of way. But when you talk to them, they, they do believe those things. Like it's not going to work anyway. So what's the point? And yet they're telling themselves they want to have like a six figure launch or whatever, but <laughs> down they're telling themselves there's no way you can have a six figure launch. And so of course you're going to procrastinate because why would you put the effort into something if you don't believe it can happen? Absolutely. So, you know, you unpick that, get to the actual real beliefs there and then you can fly. And I've seen it happen time and time again. Amazing. It's so interesting to talk about this stuff with you. If people are starting to sort of sit there and recognize themselves in some of what you're talking about, where is the best place for them to come and find you? Uh, for any women who are listening, you can join me in the Stress Less Lounge. That is my free Facebook group. And for all of the audience that's that's listening, you can follow me on Instagram at your best moment is now. Amazing. And you know, if you're feeling like some of these things are happening, but you're like, I don't think I'm stressed and I don't think I've been through any trauma. Open your mind a bit. You never know. I was exactly like that. Thought that I wasn't stressed. Definitely thought that I'd not been through any kind of trauma. And yet I've spent the last year kind of working on those exact things because I, I was stressed and just didn't even know it. And trauma definitely played a part in that. And, you know, you can feel so much better when you sort these things out and you don't even know how much better you can feel. And the decision-making process that you have, see people making decisions all the time based on what other people kind of make them feel they should do. As soon as you go through these kind of things and you start to know who you are a bit more and know that those limiting beliefs are gone, you start making decisions differently. You start making decisions for you and what you know is best rather than relying on what the internet might tell you is a version of success. And that on its own, it's a really powerful, powerful thing. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for being here and for sharing your wisdom with us. I will put your link in the show notes so people can come out and have a look. And also you had a Forbes article, which was really good as well. So do go and look up Alyssa on Forbes. She's also been on Fox News a few times. She's one of the, the known people for helping people with these things. So do go and check her out. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's such a pleasure. No worries. And thank you everyone for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode of Making Money Online. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get your hands on my brand new book that's coming soon, 
then you can pre-order now and get lots of juicy bonuses. All you need to do is go to makemoneyonlinebook.co.